Welcome to the Rent to Retirement Podcast, your resource for passive real estate investing and retirement strategies. If you're new to real estate or planning your financial future, you're in the right place. Join us at renttoretirement.com to find your path to financial freedom and an easy, carefree retirement. Enjoy the show. Hey, Renter Retires, it's Adam Schrader, and today I am once again joined by Zach Lamaster, the founder and CEO of Rent to Retirement, and we have got quite the topic for you. I think it's the topic, Zach, that I would dare say every single investor has their eye on in today's world, and that is the the mortgage rates. So first off, welcome, and uh, how are things going? Going well, Adam. I mean, it, we're we're in a, a crazy real estate market as everyone is experiencing. Uh, lots of dynamic stuff happening out there. All time or forty year high inflation. There's a, there's a lot of people that have capital that are looking to invest in real estate. Maybe they've been sitting on the sidelines. I don't know, uh, but it's still a great opportunity. Now we're going to talk about a subject today that is on everyone's minds and that's rising interest rates. What does that actually mean and what does that both what does that mean for real estate today and what does that mean for the future? I think there's this this assumption out there Adam where as people see interest rates going up they automatically assume oh that means prices must come down that we're due to, for some sort of correction um, which is not historically true. And so I think that's really what we're going to debunk today on what interest rates mean, what they mean for your strategy and evaluating properties, what they mean for the future real estate, real estate prices, and how you should be looking at interest rates long term. We always like to look at statistical data over time. I mean, that really allows you to conceptualize what has historically happened when interest rates have gone up. And I think the main point we're going to make, Adam, and you'll talk about this more specifically, is that prices don't go down, right? Interest rates are a reflection of a good economy and supporting that it's a good economy. And as you're going to speak about that, that actually means more money is being eject injected into the economy to allow the economy to continue to operate um, efficiently and effectively. And so I think this is something that we need to really hash out because so many people are getting pushback on these interest rates or they're afraid of taking action and investing simply because they say, okay, cash flow might be a little bit. Yes, that's true, but we'll talk about why not to focus on that so much. And they automatically assume, okay, maybe I'll wait for interest rates to potentially stabilize or for prices to come down to be more of a buyer's market, which is not actually the case. So, I mean, let's dive into this, Adam. I think this is a necessary topic. And let's go through some specific stats to showcase exactly what it, higher interest rates mean. Yeah. Well, first off, people, you want to know that this is so serious that Zach stepped away from a, uh, a dance party to uh, to be here. So <laughs> <laughs> that's that's how serious he takes it. So, so yeah. So I wanted to to go over. You know, you sent me a video where you know they were saying you know kind of talking about the last few times that interest rates have gone up, and so got to thinking and thought, okay, well, let's go back to you know, the mid nineties and see, you know, when interest rates really spiked. And so I went on to the, you know, St. Louis federal reserve website. Um, everybody, if you don't know about it, just check it out. The, the Fred website has, you can, I mean, you can make graphs about nearly anything over the, the long run. And so I looked at the chart of interest rates and I kind of marked the spots and the times when we saw significant rises, relatively speaking, um, over a short amount of time. So the first one was from the fourth quarter of 1993 to the fourth quarter of 1994. We saw rates go from 7.05% to 9.11%. Now, 
these are obviously 30 or fixed for owner occupied because you know that's just what they the data that they have so we'll just look at that because that's actually you know the vast majority of the home market is obviously owner occupied so over that time from the first quarter so what i did is i got the the quarters that it went up in interest rates and then i just looked at the home the average home price the quarter following it so for q4 1993 i looked at the home value of q1 1994 because i figured that would probably be when it actually kicked in a little bit so first quarter of 1994 the average home value was 153,600, and by the end of that interest rate rise which was the end of 1994 and the first quarter of 1995 home values were at 153.5 so it roughly stayed flat um, did not drop obviously didn't skyrocket but the previous 12 months of that which is what we're thinking of as you know that was the time where everything was hot and needing to be cooled off we saw a 4.5 percent increase for the year so it was going on and that that happened so then the next time that happened interest rates increasing was uh, 1996. We saw the beginning of 1996, 7.27%. By the end of the third quarter, 1996, it had gone up to 8.15%. So almost a 1% jump, not that huge. But over those quarters, the average home price, so this wasn't even a full year, went up 3.6% from 166000 to 171000 and that 3.6% actually beat the preceding year from that went from 1561 to 169 so we're seeing you know that one actually beat what was happening before that and then in uh, we saw another one come around and I'll, I'll pause after this one but this was uh, from the fourth quarter of 1998 it was 6.76% interest rate into the second quarter of 2000 when we had an 8.32 percent interest rate and the the median home value went up from 189.1 to 202.4 and so that was a seven percent increase in home sale price and the previous 12 months had seen a 5.5 percent increase so you're seeing over time here rising interest rates do not slow down necessarily home prices across the country. And I think that you have a lot more statistical information to share with us, Adam, maybe um, because you, you just threw out a lot of numbers, you know <laughs> what I mean? And, and that's kind of a little bit hard to follow if, if not say looking at a, a visual aid or graph. So maybe you can just briefly yeah. run through those other years here in a sec, uh, just talking about interest rate increase and, and then what we saw in appreciation. Basically what I'm hearing it from you is that previously when we're looking at all points in history for the past 40 years or whatever, when interest rates are increasing, so are home prices. And actually, in many instances, home prices are appreciating and increasing above what they did the year preceding to that when interest rates were lower at that point in time. And I'm also looking at these, these rates and thinking, man, these are much higher than we're experiencing today, <laughs> right? These are yes. higher interest rates and people are still actively buying, actively investing. And that goes to show that we've all been spoiled over the past few years with these historically low interest rates. And now that's become the norm. Anytime we have a, a slight increase to that, of course, there's going to be some concern about where interest rates are going to go. But big picture here, interest rates between that five and 6%, which we're kind of seeing for investment properties right now, because you were talking about even primary residence 
not even investment properties, which would be a higher rate. Um, but the, the main take home message is that interest rates are still relatively low right now, still relatively uh, you know, affordable for cash flow on a property. And also that that does not mean home prices are going to come down. In fact, we've, we've never seen that where interest rates increase a significant amount over a course of a few quarters or a year. Um, but home prices will continue to increase and, and probably in, in a lot of these stats are thrown out have increased more than when interest, interest rates were lower. And that's also going back to showcase that interest rates are a reflection of how the economy is doing. We are experiencing high inflation, and so the Feds may be try, trying to mitigate that some with increasing interest rates. But this is a natural thing to happen. This is an expected thing to happen. When we have interest rates increasing, it means that the economy is strong and people are buying and they will continue to buy and the economy will still support that. So at no point in history, nor do we think right now that with interest rates increasing, that we're going to see a reduction in home prices. That means do not wait to invest invest now still and take advantage of these still relatively low interest rates, but ultimately invest for the fundamentals of real estate. We just released a new calculator on our website, which um, this is in its kind of beta format. If you go under uh, tools at rentretirement.com, you can see the normal uh, pro forma. Typically we had a pro forma there, but um, I spent a lot of time and I mean a lot of time because I am not tech savvy, but we're getting some software engineers to assist us with this in developing a, a, a more effective calculator but for right now it's on the spreadsheet it's a wealth tracker and the point of this is to allow you to track all the benefits of real estate just holding it over time because when we're looking at appreciation debt reduction which happens every single mortgage payment you make as as well as some tax benefits and depreciation it's okay you know cash flow aside how am i actually growing my net worth over time and building out that equity position and the point i'm making is that it's important to still invest in real estate Interest rates are a reflection of a point in time. Yes, it may limit cash flow. All things considered, that uh, interest rates, I mean, if you're looking at cash flow with uh, 4% versus a 5 or 6%, yes, that means that the mortgage is going to be a little bit higher and a little bit less cash flow. So be it. But that also means, based on the stats that we just went through, that likely that's going to cause rents to increase at a higher rate. Um, we see that in inflationary environments as well as home prices will continue to appreciate over time. So you're, go you're growing your net worth likely better than you were in a low interest rate environment. And that's why it's still important to invest in real estate to ultimately achieve your financial goals, to increase your net worth, to increase your equity position. You can always refinance down the road if that's something that you want to do when interest rates maybe come down or stabilize. Who knows if or when that's going to happen. But I think it's important to not sit on the sidelines here thinking that prices are automatically going to go down because interest rates are higher, especially when you're looking at investment properties, Adam, that are in that median home price point or below uh, because they're still very affordable. And sometimes maybe that means more people are renting in, the, in an instance where maybe they can afford those higher end properties, which I think if there was a property that would be affected by you know, affordability due to higher interest rates, it's going to be your much more expensive, you know, million dollar luxury type houses where, yeah, one point in interest could mean, you know, hundreds of dollars difference. Um, and so that might push that buyer pool down a notch to the areas where we focus in, which is at or below the median house price point. That's going to allow for more buyers in those. So you, you had some information that we were discussing previously about, you know, how it, higher interest rates are actually injecting more money into the economy and making a stronger economy. Can you speak on that a little bit? 
Yeah. So when you look at the Fed funds rate and all of the bank loans and all the the interest that's given on like the 10-year treasury, the 30-year, all of those things, you need to look at it as people are getting the money and the government is spending the money. So the Fed is giving out these rates. You know, the 10-year bond is you getting paid by the government for the 30-year is, you know, you're getting paid. The three month you're getting paid. As these rates go up, it is actually not costing the banks anything. It's an injection of money to the people. So, you know, if I could go out and get, you know, a, a bond for, you know, 0% interest, then obviously, you know, I'll go out, I'll put in $20, I'll get $20 back. But then if the Fed says, well, now we're going to give you half percent on your money. Yes, yeah, half percent of $20 isn't a whole lot of money, but it's still more than I had before. So as they increase the rates, they're putting more and more money into the economy, which then drives the economy hotter, which is why, I mean, you look at some places around the world, I know people say it's different because their currency is different. Japan, for example, has been pumping money into the economy and into the economy and into the economy, trying to figure out why they can't get interest rates or why they can't get inflation to come in. And part of that is because they have their interest rates at zero. So things aren't growing as much. And so all of the money they're putting in, it's not continually growing. So as we continue to increase our rates, it just brings more money in. If you look at the actual you know, balance sheet of the Fed, which you can get, you, if you're a big time nerd, I've looked at it myself, you can go and find the, the Fed's daily balance sheet. And you look at times when interest rates are high and times that interest rates are low. Now, when I say interest rates, this time I'm talking about on treasuries. And the amount of money they're spending every day when there are high interest rates is significantly greater than whenever they're low. And all of that money is flowing straight into real people's pockets that's then going out into the economy. So you are getting a significant increase injection of money into the economy whenever rates go up. So would you go so far as to say that increasing interest rates are a good thing, Adam? <laughs> I mean, that just depends on what you're, uh, what you're trying to do. I mean, in this case, I mean, I, I've been telling people as you look at your interest rates right now and they say, you know, oh, well, the deal looked really good whenever it was at four and a half percent and now it's at five and a quarter or five and a half and it doesn't look quite as good. And really, you know, we've, we've talked and you've said, you know, interest rates just a snapshot in time. And so what I tell people is maybe year one isn't as great as you expected it to be when you first went into the deal. But we're not investing for one year. We're investing for three, five, 10, 15 years. You know, so if you look at year one, sure, maybe your cash on cash drops down. And let's say you're even going, you even go all the way down to five or 6%, which obviously is not preferred. But, you know, let's say it is five or 6%. Well, in today's market right now, with what we're seeing, a year from now, you're going to be able to up your rent probably at least five, six, seven percent. In a lot of markets, it's, very good chance it might be double digits, but let's just say you can increase it 5%. Well, then suddenly your return jumps. And as it continues, you know, as prices continue to increase, rents are going to increase like they always do, they follow. And so suddenly your returns year two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, get to where you were expecting them to be or even start surpassing them. So, you know, maybe in year one, it's not quite as sexy, but the rest of the years, you know, you're, you're doing really well. I'm going to throw out a bold statement, Adam, and I want to hear your perspective before I, I go into kind of my opinion on the matter. But 
I mean, what if I were to tell you that that uh, cash flow doesn't matter? Cash flow in properties really doesn't matter. If you have a higher interest rate and you have a slightly higher mortgage payment, which limits cash flow, which on a two hundred or one one to two hundred thousand dollar property, maybe you're talking thirty forty bucks a month. Um, sure, that makes an impact on a projected return. But I mean, what, what's your opinion um, if I were to say cash flow just simply doesn't matter big picture? <laughs> I would say it depends if you're living on it or not. Um, you know, if suddenly every single property you had didn't cash flow and you were break even and you're relying on that for your retirement income, then I would say that I would have to disagree with you. But, you know, if you're talking about just you're getting started and you're not horribly concerned about a high cash flow, then in that respect, I can see what you're saying and we'll agree with it. Yeah, no, you made some valid points. That's very good. And kind of what I'm getting at is that um, really how you build net worth in real estate is through all the other ancillary benefits of owning real estate. Cash flow, yes, we want to make sure cash flow is positive. I'm not encouraging anyone to go out and buy a negatively cash flowing property. Don't get me wrong. But over time, what grows, and this is part of the reason we wanted to put this wealth calculator together. I encourage everyone to go on and look at that under the tools tab. And play around with it and look at even a negative or break-even cash flow scenario, how your equity and net worth grows exponentially and compounds year after year and rental increases will go up, right? So maybe year one cash flow is um, you know, a minimal amount. Maybe it's a 6% cash on cash return, but you're not injecting any more money into that property, but the rents are going up over time, which we see in inflationary environments. But that's really my point is that your net worth and really where you you build a sustainable portfolio and achieve your financial goals and financial freedom at some point in time is through simply owning real estate year after year and adding more properties because that adds that compounding effect where the properties are going up in value over time the loan is being paid down you have the tax benefits and depreciation your rents are increasing over time again in a high interest rate high inflationary environment which is now what we're seeing ourselves in that actually drives the economy shows that there's a strong economy that will drive rents up quicker over time likely have strong a future appreciation kind of contradictive to what a lot of people think prices are likely not going to come down we're going to see still a future of strong appreciation so now's the time to get in to actually ride that wave up and build your net worth over time. No one that is investing in real estate, I mean, everyone, especially the newer investor, which we have a lot of, um, they're so focused and centered on cash flow. And I think it comes from the perspective of, okay, if this property is $300 a door um, month one, you know, how many properties do I need to actually get $10,000 a month and, and ultimately retire off of your portfolio, right? But the reality is no one is living off of their cash flow right now. This is disposable income that we're investing for a future point in time when we do plan to have this supplemental income that will allow us to retire from our jobs or, or do something like that. That will increase over time. It's important to track that because rents will go up over time. You're going to be building your equity position. Cash flow day one, yes, we want it to be positive to pay for the property uh, and provide some residual income right now, but we're not trying to live off of it right now. We're trying to grow our net worth and get a higher percentage on our return on investment through all the other ways of real estate and naturally let those rents go up over time and increase our equity position. So I just always think that's important to kind of look at, a, at the big picture and long-term kind of strategy here with how to build a successful portfolio. Yeah, I remember back when, I, towards the beginning of my investment career, I was at a conference and this person was 
talking about their, you know, their goals and their journey. And they were saying how, you know, their properties, you know, they wanted to buy properties that average $350 a month cash flow. And I was thinking, you know, we had several properties at that point and I was like, man, our, our properties don't cash flow $350 a month. Like, what are they talking about? You know, where are they getting these properties that cash flow $350 a month? Now that was several years ago. And now I'm at the point where I don't have a single property that cash flows less than $350 a month because over time the rents have increased. My mortgage payment hasn't increased. And now, you know, I'm looking and 350 is probably the least of it. You know, I have new properties now and old properties now that are cash flowing seven, $800 a month on the 20% I put down. And so, I mean, it's, you can't just look at it, you know, as the, at, at year one, like we were just talking about. I mean, it's over time, you'll hear stories of people talking about their cash flow and think, well, that's ridiculous that, you know, they started investing, you know, 10 years ago. So of course their cash flow is higher, prices were lower. Well, yeah, your cash flow is not going to be as good today because you haven't had time. You know, your time hasn't become your friend yet. Time will become your friend, but it hasn't become your friend yet. And I also want to note, um, I'll kind of run through the last three instances, but if you listen to what I'm saying, when I was looking at the interest rate chart on the Fed, there are very few times where you saw a sustained rise in interest rates across. I mean, this is 30 years at this point, because the first one was in 1993 that I looked at. And so in 30 years, there's really only been six instances where for more than three quarters, the interest rates continually rose. I mean, it's been on a steady downward trend over time. Now, obviously, when you get to like your 2% rates that we were at, you know, during COVID, you're probably not going to have too many more down years of that. But even where we are now, I think the 30-year rate for owner-occupied is like 4.3 or 4.4, maybe somewhere in that range. That's lower than every single thing that I have that's before 2006. You know, that's, you know, if you told somebody back in 1990, hey, you can get a 30 year fixed rate for, you know, four and a quarter, they would have laughed at you because that wasn't a thing and it hadn't been a thing. And it would obviously never, ever be a thing because that's just ridiculous. But it is the reality that we're in now. And so, you know, I'm just going to, I'm not going to run through the exact numbers, but I'll give you timelines. Um, so interest rates rose in two, from 2005 to 2006. Um, and over that time that they were rising, home prices rose 4.7%. The previous 12 months, obviously, this was just before the crash. And um, the previous 12 months, home prices had gone up 8.5%. So it did slow it down, but did not stop, did not drop. Um, from 2012 to 2013, we saw um, an 8.8% increase, even though rates went up by over a full point. And the previous 12 months, obviously, we were still recovering from the Great Recession. So there were a significant jump of 12%. And then the last time they went up was back in uh, the end of 2016 through actually 2018. There was a steady climb that was about a point and a quarter. Um, and then home prices still went up about 3%, whereas before they'd gone up 5.4%. So, you know, over time in the last three, four times that it's happened, well, three times, I should say, the fourth time it went up. But the last three times, it slowed it down, but it in no way has stopped the increase. 
Yeah, and, and thanks for pointing that out. Just to recap what you said, Adam, out of the past 30 years, the six times that we saw an incremental increase in interest rates at some variance of, of significance, which on average, maybe a, a point, point and a half, whatever, we've still seen strong appreciation, many of those times stronger appreciation than the year we, we saw previously um, when the interest rates were lower. So I, that's important to note. I think some people assume that um, interest rates would lead to a market correction. That's that's not the case under any circumstances. Interest rates rising are a reflection of a strong economy, supporting a strong economy, which will lead us to likely higher rental increases and appreciation over time, which will further your cash flow and net worth over time. As you mentioned, time can be your biggest asset or your biggest adversary if you sit around and wait. <laughs> um, you know, time is, I mean, if you, if you talk to any successful investor, um, you know, it's like, what do you, what would you do hindsight if, uh, you know, what would you do differently? And usually the unanimous answer is I wish I got started sooner and was more aggressive earlier on because yep. time is what builds your portfolio. Um, not to get sidetracked going back to this, uh, interest rates are not what cause market corrections, right? We just don't see that. That's, that's not the case. We have some sort of instability and or there's some sort of weird financing picture like in 2008 everyone wants to look at 2008 as as if that's going to happen again that was a very unique scenario um that was created by the instability of financial institutions offering inappropriate loans that just doesn't happen today it's completely different we cannot even begin to compare 2008 to the position that we're in today that's likely not going to happen under any circumstances there's other things that could affect volatility of the real estate market interest rates are not one of them um, and so going back to this point i mean when you have a high inflationary um, environment where interest rates naturally get become higher over time it's important to have hard assets hard assets where those can work towards your advantage to growing net worth over time i encourage everyone to actually run this run the numbers out on a calculator and if you are one of the people that are concerned about interest rates and limiting cash flow, and that's your reason for not investing. Put on a pencil, you know, take out a, a pen and paper, and write down your cash flow, your uh, net worth in your real estate portfolio based on appreciation, debt reduction. You need to factor all those things in. You can be conservative and run a four or five percent appreciation. You can use our new calculator to do that on the wealth tracker side, which does it for you. Take out your loan uh, deduction, or I'm sorry, your your uh, principal pay down on your loan. Because there is an amortization scale on there as well that will show you every payment you make, it reduces the amount owed on the property and take that over a course of a one-year period and then compare it to not doing anything um, versus investing in the real estate and growing your net worth and then look at the different interest rate of how that would affect it. So maybe you say, or let's say you don't invest in the real estate because cash flow might be, you know, in, instead of being $3,000 annually, it's, it's $1,500 just because a mortgage is higher. But you've also grown your net worth ten, twenty thousand dollars through appreciation, debt reduction, tax benefits. And that's really what it's about. You know, at the end of the day, it's important to build your portfolio thinking long term and also looking how rents increase over time. So I think that's very important to look at. This was an essential conversation to have. Yeah. And I think if you want to look at what's going to drive home prices down or what, you know, historically, you need to see people losing income. I mean, whether that's through massive job loss, which is why we saw real estate kind of pause at the beginning of the pandemic or, you know, wages dropping or something to that effect. And that is simply not what's going on right now. People are seeing, you know, um, raises for the first time in a long time. 
wages are very sticky when it comes to workers. You know, they're not going to go back and say, Hey, we raised your wage $3, you know, $3 an hour during the pandemic. And, but now we're going to cut you back those $3 and you'll be happy and you'll stick around. It doesn't happen. Wages are very sticky. And until we see a time where our, our economy completely changes, people lose their jobs. You know, people are running into, you know, we're having to do more foreclosures and stuff to that effect. You're not going to see the drop in the market come and nothing that we're seeing is suggesting that we're reaching that point. So it's like I've said a hundred times and I'll say it a hundred times in the future, you invest for the fundamentals and you don't change your strategy until the fundamentals change and the fundamentals haven't changed. I mean, we still have a very strong economy. Yes, we have inflation, but we have a very robust economy. The unemployment rate is back down to where it was pre-pandemic. Um, supply lines have opened up some. They are continuing to get better and better. You know, the world is pretty much saying we're not going to shut down again. Obviously, some countries are still a little more leery than others. But at this point in time, things are on the rebound, looking up. And, you know, until something else comes along that shakes your faith in the overall you know, market and society and U.S., then we're looking at a strong growth for real estate for that future. Don't wait to invest in real estate. Invest in real estate and wait, right? Let, let time be your biggest you know, partner in investing in real estate, growing your net worth over time. It's the slow game, but it takes consistency over time. Not letting, I mean, interest rate is just a metric, right? It's just a number to look at. Um, and yes, it affects potential cash flow. Most people are not going to hold that loan for 30 years in place <laughs> anyways. So, I mean, the average holding time that, that we see is, is probably between three to six years on average, because that's a time point where, okay, you've had a property, it's appreciated, you paid the debt down. Yes, rents have gone up a little bit. Maybe it makes more sense to sell in 1031 that property before you have um, you know, some capital expenditures that might come up on that over that, that time. So it's kind of this optimal holding period and also a strategic time to 1031 to scale your portfolio. Um, so that being considered, I mean, yeah, when you look at a 30 year, um, holding time frame for a, uh, you know, 1% different in interest rate, that's a lot of difference in interest, but the likelihood of you actually holding that loan for 30 <laughs> years is, is very unlikely. Um, yeah. so, I mean, look at it over a five year period and, and look at where your, your cash flow is. Um, but it's important to know that rents go up over time in these inflationary environments and, and so do home prices. And that's really the point we're trying to hit home with people. Um, if anyone hasn't listened to the other show that we did where you talked about market corrections and, and rents uh, going up during market corrections as well, again, this is separate because we're not talking about a market correction <laughs> as, as interest rates are, are increasing. Um, but that's an important thing to look at as well, right? I think, you know, statistically over the past 30 plus years, you'd be able to talk about these stats more, Adam. Um, but when we see uh, when we do see some sort of market correction, which we're, we're not alluding to. Uh, I mean, people have been asking about when are we going to have a housing bubble or market correction for probably seven or eight years now. Um, and this has been a talk forever, but that's, I mean, there's really nothing that's really pointing to that. Um, again, that markets are cyclical. And I think this is important, why it's important to invest in the path of progress in areas that have strong, diversified economies in markets that have um, you know, uh, population growth dramatically, especially in areas like Texas and Florida and some of these markets on the Sun Belt, areas that have um, a housing shortage. We are at a, a I believe, all-time low for housing uh, availability 
and all-time high for demand. So supply and demand, I mean, that's really the, bit, the most important thing to look at, especially on a microeconomic scale when you're choosing to invest. If you're investing in the path of progress, you will be just fine. That's important why it's important to do market analysis. We already do that and choose strategically the markets that we personally invest in and offer investment opportunities for people. So uh, throw us out some stats on the um, housing shortage because we did another um, podcast about that. Do you remember what those stats yeah. look like? The most recent housing shortage number that came out was 5.3 million. In the last decade, there were 12.3 million new households and there were 7 million homes built. So we saw a 5.3 million deficit in homes over the last decade. Yeah, so, so simple supply and demand, you know, especially when you're in that median or below home price point, that's where you want to be. You know, so um, lots of good stuff covered, Adam. I think end of the day, don't let interest rates influence your investing decision. Invest for the fundamentals. Still, you, I get it. You got to make the cash flow work. But over time, cash flow will increase. But so will your net worth through appreciation, debt reduction, tax benefits. That's really how people build generational wealth in real estate. Absolutely. So thanks everybody for listening to this episode. Feel free to go back and check out all of our other episodes. You can find that on your podcast platform, as well as on the rent to retirement website where we have our podcast. Check out our website. You can see our inventory. You can check out the calculator Zach was uh, mentioning earlier in the tools section. You can schedule a call with one of our investment strategists to talk about how we can help you with your portfolio. That's all at renttoretirement.com. We really appreciate you taking the time to listen. Don't forget to uh, subscribe to the show. Please leave us a review on the podcast platform so we can see if we're uh, serving you like we need. And uh, if you have any questions, send them to podcasts at renttoretirement.com. That's podcasts at renttoretirement.com. And we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Rent to Retirement podcast, your number one resource for wealth building, real estate investing, and stress-free retirement strategies. Continue your real estate education and invest with us at renttoretirement.com.